Blog Talk Radio. I'll be spending it with all the fine folks at the L.A. Times. <laughs> what is it? It's a, the foreign desk that you work on at the L.A. Times, right? Yes. Yeah. Sounds exciting. Were you, uh, were you a, a hot ticket to talk to uh, in the office this week? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I didn't go in Monday. This was in Tuesday. And somebody said, oh, I heard you on the BBC. So that, that, <laughs> the people at the L.A. Times would listen to the BBC, unlike most of the people I know. So it's kind of... It was nice having someone that just listened to the BBC as a matter of course. So. Well, as, as we all know at this point, um, I'm assuming we all know, Michael Sam, former defensive end for the University of Missouri, came out publicly on Sunday, and, uh, <laughs> and the world continued to spin. Jim, what, uh, what takeaways? I mean, I don't, I don't know kind of where to go with this today. What takeaways are we left with? I mean, it's been a week of just inundation uh, on this topic, and it seems like virtually every stone has been unturned. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if any anybody has anything new to say about it because at the end of the day, all he is is a gay person who likes football. I mean, he's not. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing more to the story in a good way than that, right? He's not. He's not been accused of any crime. He's not making some great public stand. He simply announced his sexual orientation. So that fact alone made it the biggest sports story of the year and probably will be the biggest sports story of the year, which tells you all you need to know about the issue in society, that it's this huge deal. And um, I just find that some of the hand-wringing over it has just been, it's been amusing. And it was a great letter today in the L.A. Times from a retired L.A. fire captain who, you know, said they, you know, they have lockers with all these first responders, all these big macho guys. They instituted a no um, zero, you know, tolerance policy for any kind of discrimination 20 years ago, and he said simply not a problem. And the NFL should do the same thing. Yep. You know, simply say it's done. There was a great quote today by the Atlanta Falcons general manager Thomas Dimitrov, who said, uh, you know, we would draft Sam if we think he fits our needs, and I'm not going to consult the locker room to get the buy because we don't do that with other draft choices. Right. And it's idea that, oh, my God, these guys are going to curl up into a little fetal position because a gay guy's in the locker room. It's just – it's amusing. And yet that was a first-day story from the Sports Illustrated thing where they quoted these anonymous people saying oh, what a terrible thing it would be. So, yeah. Well, first let me uh, just uh, let our listener know, if you're listening live, you can call into the show. The number is 347-945-7834. Uh, you know uh, – a couple things that you, that you hit on. Um, you know, I, I woke up this morning and I saw Teddy Bruschi, the former New England Patriot, who said that, that this will be the toughest thing that a lot of guys have had to go through in their lives. Really? Yeah. Oh, you didn't see that? I didn't see that. Yeah, oh, I posted, I, I, I posted uh, I it on the story stream. Yeah, he, he said that, that these guys are young and this will be one of the toughest things they've ever had to deal with in their lives. I'm like, 
what lives are these guys leading when having a gay teammate is one of the toughest things they've ever had to experience? I was like, that's great. Let's try to shelter lives with that. Yeah, and the thing about the Michael Sam story, and just for you know, Sid was kind of in at it on the ground floor, that for him, being gay is the least of his issues, basically, because he had a really terrible upbringing. And so in court of talking to him, it seemed like everyone else was nervous about it. But what he's been through with his life, just, you know, with family family members dying and separated parents and everything, is is sort of that's the problem for him that he's dealt with. The gay stuff has been a refuge. I can't wait. (laughs) I don't know. Gloat? At some at some point we're going to have to write the "See, we told you so" column, and, and I don't think it'll be after the combine or after the draft or training camp. But at some point next season, I am so confident that you and I are going to write a joint out sports column again, titled "See, we told you so," because it's, I mean, all the like you said hand wringing and just this is going to be horrible for some people, and I don't want to deal with this. And once it happens, it's just going to be so run of the mill. Yeah, I think it'll get. I mean, his first game, if he assuming he gets on, you know, he gets on a roster, it'll be a huge deal, and then it's going to simply fizzle out because there's going to be nothing to write about. Everyone's had their opinion. He's played a game. He's made his tackles, and he's been blocked, and kind of life goes on, which is what we wanted all along. Yeah. Uh, but, but, it, but it also shows that that again, how you can't come out quietly. The biggest thing that's upset me, well, not upset me because I'm used to it comments and stuff from people saying, well, why do they have to throw it in our faces? And, you know, you don't hear us talking about our heterosexuality, which I do all the time, is that you can't come out quietly. I was on some radio interview, and the guy was going on that, and I said, if you had Michael Sam on two weeks ago, and in the first 59 minutes he talked about football, and in the last 30 seconds he mentioned his boyfriend, for you that would be the entire story. The previous 59 minutes and 30 seconds of the interview would have been waste because he came out. Yep. So I said, the fact is, no one lets it come out quietly. So that's why we all think this would be a big deal. But once he gets on the team, he's not going to be, what, bringing his boyfriend into the locker room to have orgies? I mean, it's a weird idea people have. Well, you know what's funny? When, when Howard and I, Howard Bragman, uh, his, his genius publicist, and I started talking about this, one of the ideas I brought up was, what if he, what if you just have somebody do a football interview with Michael and at the end of it, he just says, you know, I am gay, I had a boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. And so you have like 90% of an article about that and 10% about, you know, I'm gay. And Howard said, you know, love the sentiments, but, I mean, you're burying the lead and it's going to be, it's just going to create a firestorm. So, you know, Howard said, we, we have to get out in front of it, have him do three or four interviews, get the entire story, including the backstory that we have, out in the open. So there are, just aren't many questions left. And 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 Howard, you know, he um, he's funny. He wrote this green eggs and ham type poem. Mm-hmm. Then, oh, listen to this. Here it goes. My phone. See, I was yelling at you for your phone. It goes fine. Um, this green eggs and ham type poem that he's been sending to people who want. An interview. And the poem, uh, let's see, how, what does it start? He will not do them, so, so you, oh, no, no, wait. Oh, where is it? 
<laughs> I am the rep for Michael Sam, I am. He would not like to chat with the press in a suit or in a dress. He would not like them here or there. He would not like them anywhere. He would not like them in a house. He would like them <laughs> with a mouth. That is his response to every email he gets. It's a Because he's not doing it or he's over, kids. We're moving on to football. And I wrote a, I wrote the, I don't know, I wrote a column for, for Time that they, they, um, they published this morning, and it was essentially that. The media circus is over, kids. We're going to have questions, but the circus, the circus is moving out of town. Well, I mean, the circus will come back for spots of it, but it's, yeah, for now there's nothing new to say. The story's kind of quieted down. But let's talk then about uh, something you mentioned. I don't think you were on TV. The one thing I have disagreed with about the teams you don't want to see Michael Sam oh, yeah. drafted by. And you mentioned three specifically, at least according to what I saw, the Redskins, the Jets, and the Cowboys. Yeah. Now, I kind of agree with you on the Redskins. I don't agree with you on the Jets for different reasons, but the Cowboys, I definitely disagree with you. And here's why. I think any team that drafts him is going to be the right fit because that team knows what it's getting. So Jera, Jerry Jones is a crappy general manager, but he's a great businessman. He has made the Cowboys so profitable – Maybe the most profitable franchise, I think, in the entire planet. Maybe Man U's more profitable. If Jerry Jones gets Michael Sam, he is not going to do anything but treat him like royalty. Because players never complain about the way Jerry treats them. I mean, everyone complains about how dysfunctional they are with their organization and their coaches and all that stuff. But Jerry is like – it's like they're Jerry's guys. And he, I don't think he would screw it up if he drafted him. Now, Jerry, I don't know his politics. If he's homophobic, he's not going to draft him in a million years. But I think, I mean, Jerry Jones and the Cowboys and Michael Sam, the first gay player, there's your Sunday night opener. You know, or there's your, there's your opener on Thursday night at Seattle. I mean, it's like he loves – and the media circus, the Cowboys are a traveling media circus. One more, you know, one more act is not going to, you know, cause him anything. They're the only team yeah, well, that assistant coaches become stories. So I just think if he drafted them, the Cowboys would be a great fit for those reasons. I, listen, the reason that I, I, I'm afraid of the Cowboys is because of the, the lack of real leadership. I understand that, that Jerry's, uh, Jerry Jones may, you know, fly him from the draft on a private jet to Dallas and, and will put his arm around him and smile. But you know what does happen in that locker room? What does what do those players feel? Uh, you know when they see this this new rookie being this third round pick being treated like royalty, not because of football, but because he's gay. I I, I look that that's what makes me scared about the about the Cowboys. Not I mean Jerry Jones is a terrible general manager, and they're never going to win the Super Bowl. And and so it's not not how Jones might treat him, but how just how the whole. I, you know, I don't think the locker room thing will be a big issue, but on a team like that with absolutely, completely void of leadership, I just think it has a potential to creep into it. Well, except, I, again, I think any team that drafts him is going to go in with their eyes wide open, so I don't know that they would necessarily do something that would be, you know, this guy's not going to fit in our team and they would draft him. So in a sense, I kind of feel that, it's going to be self-selected, and anybody who has a problem with it won't take Michael. And other people are going to know. I mean, you know, you take a team like the Broncos. I mean, they have Peyton on offense, and he's a defensive guy, so the offense doesn't care about what Michael Sam does. And they have strong leadership, or the Patriots with Belichick. I just think that the Cowboys could be in the right circumstances a good fit. Yeah. Um, I don't know that it's a bad fit because I don't know the po- – I actually don't know the feelings of a lot of the general managers and coaches and owners about gay players. They may have people – 
quoted in Sports Illustrated who are these people who don't want him, but other people say, shit, this guy can rush the passer. He could definitely help us. Yeah. Well, let's talk about where he might end up, because I have a couple interesting thoughts about this. It's interesting that you bring up the Falcons. Because I was looking, you know, thinking last night about divisions where there are some pretty solid quarterbacks. And, and you look at the NFC South, you got Cam, meaning that, you know, where you might need a good pass rusher. Who might be in the market for one? And, and you got Drew Brees, you got Cam Newton. I mean, the Bucks don't have much. The, the Falcons have Matt Ryan. So it would be interesting if, if the Falcons or, um, or, or the Bucks, you know, looking at the three quarterbacks they have to play every year, I mean, they need some pass rushers. Yeah, well, I think a lot of teams need pass rushers. I think teams like the Falcons really, you know, really hurt in that area last, uh, last year. Um, a team like Seattle, as bizarre as it sounds, can always use people to rotate in and out. I, I almost think that when I hear about his teams, I don't know of any team that can't use a guy who can rush the passer if he fits, you know, your scheme. Um, Denver certainly could have used a pass rusher in the Super Bowl. The Patriots have needed a pass rusher for years. Uh, so, I don't. I mean, I, uh, Bruce Silverman wrote for SB Nation, the story we linked. You know, he had eight teams, I think. Pittsburgh was one of them that was intriguing because of their history of those kinds of players. Yeah. But Bill Polian likened Sam's skill set to Cliff Averill and Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney and Justin Houston, those types of players, and those guys would fit pretty much anywhere. Yeah. So I kind of think that I hear people say he's, you know, he's a tweener. Yeah, but every team has some sort of tweener that they use in a position. And if you need him just to rush the passer on third down and not worry about the run, then he's valuable. Well, you know, I don't know if he's a tweener or he does one thing better than the other. Those kinds of guys often that well, the Patriots, and I'm praying that Bill Belichick takes them. But there's an interesting, interesting team out there that I think has to be sitting back and really weighing this option. In the NFC North, you've got Jay Cutler, Matthew Stafford, and Aaron Rodgers. And if you're the Minnesota Vikings, you know, you're going to be facing at least two of those guys for the next few years anyway. Plus, if you're the Minnesota Vikings, right now you're kind of embroiled in this controversy started by some accusations made by Chris Cluey that you're anti-gay. Could not be a better way to end the investigation than by drafting Michael Sam. So the Vikings are kind of, and owners very clearly pro-gay. It's an interesting landing spot for him. Yeah, and I think ultimately, and I hope this is the case, is that the landing spot is because he fits their football profile. That I don't want someone to pick him because he's gay. I don't want someone to not pick him because he's, because that's sort of what we've always been talking for. But, I mean, you can probably make a case for all 32 teams at some level saying, well, if this guy, you know, the Seahawks, we just need a guy to rush the passer 20 plays a game, right? Given their, their insane talent they have there, he could be just another body they put in there that make that's making plays or a team that needs a guy that can rush every third down. Um, but he was such a productive player at Missouri that it's stunning to me when I hear people say he's not going to be drafted. Really? Right. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've heard several people. There was one guy who analyzed all 972 plays or something that he, he played last year and came to the conclusion that he's not very good. But everybody that I've talked to, Jason Whitlock and, and, and some people in, in the Missouri area who watched every one of his games, not because of him, but they just happened to you know, be following Missouri this season, said 
he's the real deal. So, uh, uh, and, you know, another interesting piece, Deadspin wrote about this, this piece that had somebody watch all 900 and whatever plays that he was on from Sports Illustrated in Peter King's camp. Peter King's camp has almost only written negative stories about Michael Sam. And uh, there's a journalist who told me that he is a raging homophobe, and this is par for the course. This person told me that before a lot of this stuff happened. I, I, he's told me this like months ago, and he, and he called me and he's like, see, told you. <laughs> so it's interesting that Sports Illustrated, a lot of the negative stuff is coming from them. Yeah, I think what bothers me about the Sports Illustrated stuff is they, this idea that everybody was anonymous, and well, we got to give them anonymity to sort of let them say that, but why not write a strong piece saying, I don't care what these people say about how difficult it would be. You've got to rally about this. This is 2014. It shouldn't be an issue, as opposed to feeding into it that, well, we have to listen to what these people say. And Deadspin had a good column about all the sports social stuff saying, if you look at who these people were quoted, they were like, you know, assistant to the assistant scout. I mean, they weren't, they weren't necessarily general managers. They were sort of second and third tier people that may not wind up making the decision anyway. And right. these guys are paid to find some reason to ding somebody. Every draft, you can go through a list and, and read about a player and find positives and negatives. And by the time the draft comes, you don't think anyone's worth drafting because they all stink. I mean, everybody gets downgraded. Well, this guy's missing this thing. He's missing that. And that's how a guy like Russell Wilson lasts to the third round. But, and, and, and a lot of this stuff is the game they play. A lot of the, Some of the people that they talk to may have Michael Sam in the second round on their draft board. But why would you say something positive about him when you can say something negative and maybe that maybe you can pass that guy in the second round and be there in the third or the fourth or even, God forbid, the fifth round? So, you know, the, even anonymous front office folks have this, this, they get nothing from being honest about what, how they're evaluating somebody in the draft. No, oh, it's all it's all smokescreen. So they're all right. throw out. Yeah, he's terrible. We ain't gonna touch him, and then they want to swoop down and get him. You know, whenever. It's kind of great. I mean, if there's some of these expectations, he's gonna go in the fifth round, and, and so he just picked in the third. It's like, wow, that's a statement. Yeah, but a lot has to depend on how he does in the combines in two weeks and his pro day in was it April in Missouri? What March? March? Yeah, late March. And Bill Polian, again, was really good when he talked about, they, you know, they'll ask about who his role models are, what his family upbringing is, they do a psychological ev- evaluation. Then he was quick to say, well, we do that for all the players. They're not just doing it for the gate player. Right, yeah. They have an entire thick book on everybody they may draft. They're, they're looking for reasons. You know, they're looking for warning signs from some guys. Other guys are looking for, you know, this, they like this. I've heard some people say that they admire the fact that Michael Sam's courageous enough to do this publicly. And right. so I think that's the kind of guy that they want in their locker room. So it's going to be a, I mean, it's going to be a fascinating litmus test to see kind of how this all plays out when we, when we hit the combine and there'll be that media scrum, certainly a media scrum for that. And again, this idea of a media circus, what is a, what is a media scrum? I mean, I'm a, the, I believe there's going to be a press conference. Well, yeah, there'll be a press conference that'll be large, more, largely attend, it'll be the most attended one of the entire combine, right. um, like Cam Newton two years ago and Manti Teo last year. Right. But what happens with these things is, I say scrum, not circus. It's a lot of people. Once you have the media thing, these, this person's off limits the rest of the time. Right. 
it's controlled by the the league and the combine, so they don't. It's not like you can walk up to Michael Sam when he's ready to do a vertical jump and tap him on the shoulder and ask him a question. So he's going to be. They're going to do a good job of simply letting him focus on football. I've told Howard um, that that they should do at the combine a Chris Christie style Q and A, where it is where you start having people after 45 minutes tweeting out, um, we're done, why is this still going on? Like, answer every possible question somebody could ask. Because the, the, more, the more they deflate the potential, quote, media circus around training camp and, and OTAs and the preseason, the regular season, the, the more able teams are to just draft the guy for what he is. Yeah, and I think that's true, and I think that's, at the end of the day, they're going to run out of stuff to ask him because there's not much there in a good way. The New York Times did an entire explanation of his, of his growing up. Nothing in Missouri. There was nothing other than he was a, he was a great player and everybody liked. Yeah. So what are you going to sort of get out of that, and what's the issue? I mean, at a certain point, you ask any player who's asked about a gay teammate, you simply say, I'm fine with it, and, be, and shut up about it. That way you won't get any more questions. Because only if you start sort of hemming and hawing that people are going to kind of drill down. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, I mean, hopefully they'll just I – mean, and this is why I just think that the, the strategy is brilliant. Just so, so many questions already answered. Like, you know, we, you and I talked yesterday. If, if Howard called me up and said, hey, do you guys want to talk to Michael? I'd be like, I don't know about what. I mean, I guess I'd ask him a couple questions about, you know, the reaction has been like from his perspective, but the story's been told. I, mean, anyway, I, I would just love, I would just love to talk to him about dating, almost like just as sort of a, you know, sort of just out of curiosity, like you know, it would be more, it'd be more of a personal interview than it about the gay stuff, like you know. What, See, what? I just don't think for me that isn't of interest, and I don't even think it's appropriate. Well, I'm not saying it's, you ask me if I'm interested. I'm interested. I don't know that I was appropriate for a large audience, but if I got in private with, I would just sort of, you know, curious. What's, you know, what's it like to date the University of Missouri? You know, that he compare notes with his straight teammates. We've had people talk about that, but I don't know that I'd ask him anything special either. I don't. I'm kind of like, okay, I know a lot about him, but what else is there to know right now, other than he wants to be drafted in the NFL? Yeah. And another thing I think people need to stress is just because he's drafted doesn't mean he makes a roster. Guys are cut all the time in training camp for draft choices. From Usually they're not, never first-round draft choices are cut seldom or second round. But, you know, so I think people have to say there are some hurdles he has to do. He actually has to perform on the field. Yeah, but see, just, here's my thinking. I think that the one thing that could make him slip, the only thing, is that teams know if they draft him, they're keeping him. They cannot. I, I think it would be highly problematic for the team uh, in the same way that, you know, Ian Badejo at first subtly hinted that the Ravens cut him for his activism and Chris Cluey is now lodging an investigation against the Vikings for his being cut. They know if they draft Michael Sam, he is going to be on the roster in week one. So that's something that these teams have to think about. And I think that, that, that you know, being locked into that, I think, that is the one thing I think could potentially make him slip a little bit. I hope that's not the case. I hope that no one would have a fear of cutting him if he doesn't work out. This is the whole point to me that he shouldn't get any extra dispensation because he's gay. 
of of course, but you I'm talking about a business at the end of the day here and and it would just it would be bad optics to draft the first gay player i mean he's not he 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 is just another football player, but he's also not he is the first so you, you i feel like you, from a public relations perspective you kind of got you got to stick with him for a while if you're going to take him. Well, except Jason Collins never got, you know, never got signed by a team, and we all thought, gee, what terrible optics it would but be if David Stern was going to assure that he got picked by somebody. But that's, the, that's my point. We're not talking about the league. We're talking about teams. He never got picked up by a team. He never mm-hmm. got brought into, into camp. He never, like, nobody touched him. We're talking about somebody actually touching Michael Sam, getting their hands dirty, so to speak. And, and, and so, I don't know, I just feel like that, that's the one thing that could, that could, that could not, not because it gave it, just because the team knows they're committing to one roster spot when, when they draft it. Well, he can play special teams, too, so I think, I mean, but again, if he's simply not very good, I just, I think a team would cut him. If it was, like, so obvious he was not, you know, I think you're right, if, he's on a, if he was on the bubble, he would stay. If he's not on the bubble, I think the team would say, you know what, I'm going to do it. But I hope it doesn't come to that because I hope he kicks ass in the playoffs and or the playoffs in, in camp, and they have no choice but to keep him. Well, see, I see. I think he's good, right? I mean, <laughs> yes. Well, he was great in college. What I'm saying is, you never know how it translates in the pros. So I remember seeing so many stories in the past about people, teams I was rooting for. Oh, my God, what a great, you know, blah, 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 and the guy's cut. It's like, okay, at the end of the day, we don't really know much when it comes to this stuff more than the scouts do. So, But, yeah, I think you're right that, in a sense, a team that drafts him will draft him hoping he makes their team. You don't draft someone you think you're going to cut, then you just wasted a draft choice. So, um, I mean, I'd love if he got on, you know, the Broncos. Oh man, that would be horrible. <laughs> Why would it be horrible? Oh, God, him. Then, then I'd have to cheer for the Broncos. <laughs> oh, you said God. you were going to cheer with him over the Seahawks, so. Yeah, well, I, I ended up cheering. What if he's on the What if he's on the Seahawks? The Seahawks. That, that Super Bowl was funny because I went in thinking I was going to cheer for the Broncos, and then I just sort of like as soon as they sat down, I'm like, I really don't care. And then as the as the game went along, I just was enjoying the absolute train wreck aspect of it. So I just, well, I wanted to see 50 to zero. Like I wanted just to see the total, like 374 car pile up. That, that's so I, I ended up like cheering for the Seahawks just because it was so fascinating watching it unfold. What about if he gets signed by the Jets? Well then, you know what? I hope the Jets do well. I, I mean, that's, that's, we talk about fandom, and and there are certain things that I, you know, I I will become a fan of whatever team it is. If it's the New York Jets, you know what? I'll hope he sacks Tom Brady five times in a game because I think because him doing well is more important than whether the Patriots win another Super Bowl or not. Well, I'm also curious to see how the networks play it, meaning if he's on a team with visibility, if that could be one of the premier games of the week, the first week. Well, how can they do that? The schedule comes up. They can't make it the Thursday or Sunday night or Monday game. Never mind. You're right. The schedule comes up before the draft, so forget that. Yeah, so it's, you know, it, 
I mean, I don't know if the league will try to figure that out. But I don't think they could. No, I think I just never had totally zoned out on that. That you're right. That they would not. Uh, they would not know by the time the schedule comes. Yeah, out. they can't. They can't flex anything till November. So you know, it's yeah, well, well, whatever the first game would be, would get huge attention anyway. Yeah, for sure. Probably, you know, our luck will be on Jacksonville, and you'll you have to have the Sunday ticket to see him. Well, good thing we both have the Sunday yeah, ticket. Exactly. Um, so, uh, what's uh, any fi- any final lessons out of this? Anything surprise you? How quickly people tired of the story. I think. I mean, we, on Outsports, we saw we were watching our traffic, and by Tuesday, people were tiring of the story. I, I had a, I don't know, a fifteen to twenty media interviews on Tuesday, and a, a couple of them were like, "So, are we done talking about this yet?" And I was like, "We're getting close." We're getting close, so that's. I guess that's been piece. How about you? Uh, yeah, I think that, and the fact that uh, we got huge traffic, and the biggest, most popular story was a feature, a story about the bisexual speed skater that won a gold medal. I mean, go figure. That right. it took took ten minutes to write, and it got more traffic than all the stuff we labored on. But that's that's the fun of the internet. Well, that was because George Takei decided to post that story about the, the bisexual speed Thank skater. Thank you, George. On, on Facebook, did it cut? 80,000 shares or what, what was it? 102,000 shares. 102,000 shares. So 10 times as much as, as the Michael, our Michael Sam. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of crazy, though. I mean, the, the, this week has been, you know, arguably the, the highest traffic week in the history of outsports. I mean, I, I can't remember a week that was bigger. No. No. All right, well, that's all the time we have this week. Um, I doubt we'll be talking about this next week, but maybe we'll have another athlete to talk about by then. We will talk to you next week. Uh, I have-